You are listening to the Woman of Faith podcast, hosted by award-winning author and transformation coach, Nancy Ruffin. Whether you're establishing your faith journey or just getting started, the Woman of Faith podcast is passionate about sharing stories of faith that will inspire you to boldly live the life you were created for. If you're ready to elevate your faith and step into who God created you to be, then you're in the right place. So let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Woman of Faith podcast, the podcast dedicated to empowering women of faith to step into their purpose, embrace their calling, and fearlessly pursue the life they were created for. I am your host, Nancy Ruffin, and I am passionate about sharing inspiring stories that will uplift and equip you to elevate your skills, business, and life. Now, this podcast is your go-to resources for stories of triumph, guidance, and actionable insights. I believe that faith is the driving force behind unleashing our full potential and for creating positive impact in the world around us. And so much of my work has been centered on empowering women and helping them realize and recognize the power and potential that exists within. So here at the Women of Faith podcast, we're more than just a collection of stories, of weekly episodes. We are a community of like-minded women who are ready to embrace their divine purpose and elevate every aspect of their lives. From personal development to entrepreneurship to leadership and beyond, at the Woman of Faith podcast, we're going to explore practical strategies to help you reach new heights in your skills, business, and overall fulfillment. And if you've been following me for a while, if you've worked with me before, then you know that I am always, always in coach mode and I'm always sharing tips. I'm always sharing strategies. And so the Woman of Faith podcast really is just an extension of all the work that I am already doing. So if you're a woman of faith seeking inspiration and a supportive community, then look no further. Together, we'll discover how to align our actions with our beliefs, amplify our voices, and boldly live out our unique calling. If you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to the Women of Faith podcast so that you're the first to know when an episode drops and so that you never miss an episode. And just join our community of ambitious women of faith who are dedicated to embracing their God-given potential and making a lasting impact on the world, right? Because if we're not seeking to make an impact with our lives and with our work, then what is the purpose, right? What is the purpose of any of it if we're just going to exist in this world just flowing and moving through life without any real purpose or direction? And, you know, for me, I have spent so much of my own journey as an adult Um, figuring out what it is that I was put on this earth to do because I specifically 
um, know that each one of us has a purpose. No one was created by accident. Even if you have endured nothing but tragedy in your life, maybe you feel like the world is against you. Maybe you feel like God is against you because you continue to experience challenge after challenge or heartbreak after heartbreak. And you might feel like, what's the purpose of your life? There is purpose in your life. And even amidst the tragedy, even in the middle of the challenges or the heartbreaks, there's something that God is doing in your life that is growing you and getting you closer to what that purpose is. You just haven't discovered it yet. And so if you find yourself in this situation and you're looking for someone to help you or guide you on your journey, reach out to me, send me an email at nancy at the and let's see how we can work together. Let's see if I can help you get, um, you know, on track with what you're supposed to be doing with your life. In any case, I digress. I'm just happy that you are here. I don't know how you found me, but I'm so happy that you have. If you are a longtime listener, meaning that if you've been listening to me since I had the empowerment hour, um, then you're an OG. And so thank you for sticking with me. And if you're new here, I hope that you stick around. I hope that you enjoy the podcast, that I provide you know some sort of value for you. And if I do, then I humbly ask that you leave me a rating, you write a review, that you screenshot it, share it with your friends, post it on your socials, all of that good stuff. Because for someone like me who doesn't have big machine behind me, who's sitting here doing this all by myself, I am writing the content, I am recording, I am editing, like I'm doing it all. Um, I don't have a big marketing budget. And so I really rely on listeners like you to help promote and to kind of get the podcast out out there so that we can get elevated in this world of algorithm, right? Because everything is about algorithm and it's all about how many people are listening and the more people that are listening and are sharing, then the algorithm pushes it out more, right? So just take a moment, if you're enjoying the content here, to just leave me a rating and review, Okay, so now let's get into this episode. I wanted to talk about um, some of the stuff that I've been doing. Um, I don't know about you, but I recently or finally, I guess, watched um, the Barbie movie. My daughter's birthday was July 27th. And so I spent the whole day with her. It was like a whole day of pampering. And one of the things that she wanted to do was to go see the Barbie movie. Now, if I'm going to be honest, this was not like a movie high on my list to watch, right? Like I definitely was not interested <laughs> in paying any money to go to the movie theater and watch it. But, you know, we do the things that we do for our kids. And I have to say that it was not at all what I expected. I was, I guess, pleasantly surprised Um Because while I expected it to be a child-focused plot of fun and of pink and of girly stuff um, and encouragement, it was that, but it was so much more 
than that. And for someone like me who is in the women empowerment space, who is all about encouraging women to step into their power, um, I really enjoyed this movie because what it was, was a satirical perspective of the world we live in with themes of feminism, empowerment, and deconstructing patriarchy. And y'all know that I am here for smashing the patriarchy, for making sure that women get their part of the meal, to make making sure that, you know, we're getting equal pay for equal work, like all of that stuff, right? It's about women being seen as partners versus being um, seen as second class citizens. And so I started to see Barbie with a new set of eyes, right? She was more than just a doll in the movie. She, and I guess in real life too, and maybe because I've never looked at her in that way because she was a doll, but in the movie, she represented the fierce power that we each hold. You know, she she represented what it meant to live life on our own terms, and that it could look different for every woman. Though society would like to place women in specific roles and have us believe that we exist solely to be wives, mothers, and subordinate to men, this movie is a reminder that we are so much more than that. It reminded me that we can be and do anything. Um, And while Barbie the movie reverses um, the power roles in Barbie land, it really spotlights well what a matriarchal world where women held all the power would look like, right? So we live in a patriarchal world where we see that men hold all the power. They have traditionally held the power. Women have had to fight for every single right and privilege that we have, right? You know that there was a time where we weren't allowed to go to school to be educated. There was a time when we weren't allowed to vote or to have our voices heard. Um, And even, you know, until very recently, at least culturally as a Latina woman, I remember being raised, you know, with this ideal, this ideology that little girls were supposed to be um, quiet and, uh, you know, just looking pretty and making sure you sit with your legs crossed and your hands um, over your legs and just really being like docile. We were taught to be docile and submissive. Um, and this is not, you know, that much long ago, but in the movie, we see the, the roles, the gender roles being reversed and what it would look like where there's a world where men are seen as simply accessories, right? Waiting to be chosen by Barbie. And so Ryan Gosling's character, he plays Ken you know, it's, it's like this little puppy dog that, you know, that it's at Barbie's beck and call. And he's just like there waiting, waiting for her to choose him. And like, she never chooses him. She always chooses herself and her girls and the other Barbies. And so in the movie, Ken's whole 
existence is defined by this idea that he was created for Barbie. Not to be her partner, but simply to be there for her, for whenever she wanted him or whenever she needed him. Thereby creating an identity crisis where he loses himself in this expectation and he doesn't necessarily know who he is, what he wants, or why he wants it. Does that sound familiar, lady? Does it sound familiar? I mean, I know so many of us struggle with identity crisis, with um, figuring out what our purpose is aside from being wives or mothers or caretakers, right? Because we are conditioned to take care of everybody else, to put everyone else's needs before our own, and we cultivate and create our lives around that expectation, And then we lose ourselves. And so we don't know who we are. We don't know what it is that we want. We don't understand what our purpose is. And so this movie really does such a good job at highlighting that in a lighthearted and funny way. Because the movie, you know, surprisingly, um, you know, was really funny. And so what we see in the movie is that at some point, Barbie and Ken cross over to the real world, right? They, they leave Barbie land where everything is pink and easy and good, at least for Barbie, right? And they cross over into the real world, our reality, where the roles are reversed, where women are seen as sex objects and solely to be an accessory, you know, for men. And of course, it's exaggerated, like... <laughs> Um, but it very much represents our real life. And so once Ken gets into the real world, he becomes influenced by what he's seeing. And so he starts to mimic the ways and behaviors of the men. And he tries to take that back, you know, to Barbie land. And so Ken is trying to find meaning and purpose outside of just being Barbie's sidekick, right? He wants to be valued. And so he's seeking reassurance that he matters too. And I think that that is a feeling that applies to all of us, right? At the end of the day, we want to be seen as individuals. We want to be seen as something more than just an accessory. We want to feel valued. We want to feel like we're important. We want to feel like what we do matters. And so while Ken is having his own crisis, Barbie also faces her own existential crisis and struggles with what it means to be perfect, right? This this idea where she has to look pretty all the time and that she's not allowed to show her emotions. Um, And I think that it's a theme that many women can relate to. And one that was beautifully executed in America Ferrer's um, monologue, like of her character on the struggle of that, the struggle that women have of finding the balance um, between just like the many different things that we encounter, right? It's just like finding balance in our lives overall. 
And she offers several examples where it feels impossible to find balance. And I think it was a beautiful reminder to women, and I guess to men too, for those men who kind of go and see the movie, watch the movie with an open mind of how exhausting that quest for balance can be. You know, one of the things that she says, and I'm, I, I hope that I'm quoting it correctly because I it was so the monologue was so powerful that I found myself in the theater like taking notes of the things um, and the lines that were being said in the movie so one of the things that she says is I'm so tired of watching myself and every other woman tie herself into knots trying to make everyone happy and I cannot begin to tell you how much that line resonated with me. It's a feeling that I personally know all too well because I think that we have just, again, been conditioned to put everyone else before us, to make sure that everyone else's needs are being met, to make sure that we're pleasing everyone, even if it means it's at our own expense. So as Barbie tries to navigate like her new feelings and her new humanity in the real world, she is left with some questions to ponder, to ponder on about who she is and who she wants to be. Um, and all of these, I think, questions that we at some point end up also asking ourselves, right? So maybe... And then there was another line that was super powerful. And this line was said by Rhea Perlman's character. And she was representing the woman who created Barbie. And so they're having this interaction during the film. And she tells Barbie, maybe all the things that you thought made you, you really isn't you. And how powerful is that? Right? Because we... We spend our whole lives um, in this identity that we have created for ourselves based on our experiences, based on our expectations, based on the expectations that others have for us. And so we create this identity and we start to operate from that identity. And then we might reach a point in our lives where we start to question that identity and to question who we really are. And so... This question that Rhea Perlman, you know, poses to Barbie's character is like, well, maybe you need to step back and reevaluate yourself and really get to know who you are, because maybe all the things that you thought made you, you really aren't you. And that was for me, I was like, wow. And maybe this is a question that we all need to start asking ourselves because when asked what it is that Barbie really wants, she responds by saying, I don't know what I want. And how true is that for many of us, right? If you were to be honest with yourself right now and someone asks you, what is it that you want? Would you be able to answer that question honestly and with assurance, knowing that you know who you are and that you actually know what you want. For some of us, we, we might, if we've done the work, we can answer that question. But for many, 
There are many women who don't know what they want because they have been conditioned to live a life based on what other people want or need from them. And for me, it was such an honest response, um, especially for women who have been conditioned to sacrifice their own needs and happiness for others. And so as I watched this film with my daughters, I pondered Barbie's response. And I realized that maybe it's okay to not know what you want right now, right? That it's okay to not put the pressure on ourselves to have it all figured out, but instead realizing that maybe that's part of the journey to find your own path and discover who you are and what you want along the way. I'm telling you, this movie, it was, it was powerful in ways that I didn't expect for it to be. It exceeded my expectations. This is a movie definitely you know, worth going to see if you are on your own journey. Um, go with your girlfriends, go with your daughters, go with your nieces, and then have conversations about it afterward because my daughters, you know, even though they did not understand many of the themes or even some of the words in the film, it sparked something in them because once the movie ended, like they were asking me, well, mom, what does patriarchy mean? You know, and and how does that impact um, me as a young girl and my life? And so we had a really good conversation about what that meant. And it ended with me reminding them that they should never sacrifice their own wants or needs for anyone else, that it's okay for them to have dreams and desires and to put themselves first. Um, It was also me reminding them that they come second to no one, that they can do and become anything that they set their hearts on becoming, that they don't have to be limited by others' limitations or by what other people expect from them, not even me or their dad, that they have a right to want what they want, even if what they want differs from the things me and their dad wants for them. It was, I mean, I can't stress it enough. It was powerful. I encourage you to go watch it. Um, And as I prepare to come back, in the second segment with today's topic, which I failed to mention at the beginning of the episode, we're going to be talking about setbacks to setups and how God uses our challenges and turns them into triumphs. So when we come back, we're going to get into that segment. But before we get into that segment, I think I mentioned in last week's episode, we're going to be having a number of segments on this podcast. One of them is having a mindful moment. And so I want to get into a brief meditation when we come back that's going to be centered on helping you to prioritize and center yourself. You are tuned in to the Women of Faith podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for listening. So on this week's Mindful Moment, I want to spend some time 
normalizing, embracing self-care. And so I want to do a short meditation on putting yourself first. We have to start normalizing, putting ourselves on the top of our to-do list, because if we're not taking care of ourselves, it's going to be impossible to take care of the other responsibilities in our lives. So I want you to find a comfortable and quiet space where you can be undisturbed for a few minutes. Take a deep breath, inhaling slowly through your nose and exhaling gently through your mouth. Close your eyes if you feel more comfortable this way and allow your body to relax and release any tension with each breath. As you settle into this present moment, bring your awareness to yourself, the unique and wonderful individual that you are. Recognize that you deserve love, care, and attention just as much as anyone else in your life. Imagine a soft and gentle light surrounding you, covering you with warmth and compassion. Feel the weight of the world gently lifting off your shoulders as you grant yourself permission to put yourself first. In this space of self-awareness, affirm that taking care of yourself is not selfish, but necessary for your well-being. Acknowledge that when you prioritize yourself, you become better equipped to care for others and show up fully in your relationships and responsibilities. Taking care of myself is not selfish. Repeat after me. Taking care of myself is not selfish. And embrace the idea that self-care is not a luxury, but an essential part of living a balanced and fulfilling life. Just as a garden needs tending and nurturing, so do you. Release any guilt or self-judgment for taking time for yourself. Breathe in acceptance and release the guilt. Remember that self-care is an act of self-love and it is not a measure of your worth or value. You are worthy of love and care simply because you exist. Visualize a clear boundary surrounding you, protecting your sacred space. This boundary allows you to say no to things that drain your energy and yes to activities that nourish your spirit. Take a moment to acknowledge your resilience and strength. Remember the times when you overcame challenges 
and know that you have the power to overcome whatever lies ahead. As you slowly bring this meditation to a close, carry the sense of self-compassion and self-care with you. Promise yourself that you will continue to prioritize your well-being, knowing that by doing so, you are honoring the beautiful soul that you are. Take another deep breath, inhaling deeply and exhaling slowly. When you feel ready, gently open your eyes and return to the world around you, knowing that you have taken an important step in loving and honoring yourself. Remember, putting yourself first is an act of self-love, and in doing so, you can cultivate a life of balance, fulfillment, and joy. Namaste. You're listening to the Women of Faith Podcast. I hope that that meditation blessed you, or at the very least, it helped to center you for a moment. It helped to remind you of how important it is to pour into yourself, even if it's just for five minutes. And I think that was really the purpose of that meditation. It was just to show you that even in as little as five minutes, you can pour into yourself. You have to give yourself permission to break free from all of the things that are demanding your time. Because there is nothing that is more important than your health, your wealth, your health and your well-being. So please, please, please start making time to pour into yourself, even if all you start with is a five-minute meditation. All right, so now let's get into this week's topic. This is part of my faith and personal development segment. And this week, we're looking at from setbacks to setups. How God turns our challenges into triumphs. And no one working on walking on God's green earth is immune from experiencing hardship, challenges, heartbreaks. It's just a part of life. And sometimes those challenges and those setbacks may leave us feeling discouraged and lost. And questioning God and asking God, why me? And why is this happening? Um, And a lot of times we're searching for answers and we're searching for understanding. And sometimes we're not going to get that in that moment. Sometimes we're not going to get it at all. Sometimes things happen in our lives that we will never wrap our heads around, that we're never going to understand And sometimes it's not for us to understand. You know, it's not for us to question God's will or God's purpose. But what I do know is that in those difficult moments, 
it's important for us to remember that God has a plan for each of us. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. And the setbacks oftentimes can be stepping stones to greater blessings and triumphs. Because one thing that I do know that I have experienced personally, that is that God will take some of the most painful moments, some of the most difficult and challenging times in our lives and use them for his glory. It's those moments when our tests become our testimonies. And if you haven't been tested yet, then count yourself blessed. But then also know that it's coming because no one makes it through life unscathed. No one. We all have to endure, you know, some pain, some hardship. And, you know, earlier this week, um, during my coaching uh, cohort, one of the things that came up was this idea of grief and mourning. And I think that when people die in our lives, when people that we love and that we're close to when they pass, um, especially if they die before it's their time um, because they get sick or through some freakish accident or whatever, but, you know, they're young and they die before they're supposed to. It's really hard for us to wrap our hands, our heads around that and understand And one of the things I shared with the women in my cohort was that I have almost become immune to grief and death. And not saying that I don't feel it, that I don't feel the pain and that I don't grieve and that I don't mourn, but I have been experiencing death and loss since I was two years old. At two years old, one of my favorite uncles, I mean, at that time, he was a favorite uncle, was murdered in a bodega on Bushwick Avenue. And at two years old, many of us do not have any memory of what our life was at that point. But I remember him. I remember him picking me up, taking me to the park, pushing me in my stroller. I remember him um, giving me like horsey back rides on his shoulders. And I also remember the day of his funeral. And I, re- I remember it so vividly. And it's bizarre to me that I remember it, you know, in such a vivid way. Like I remember the funeral home. It was a dingy Ortiz <laughs> funeral home. Um, there was like dingy red, burgundy-ish, you know, like carpet on the floor. I remember that he was buried in like a beige cream, like a light colored suit. I remember his afro being perfectly like picked out. Like I remember. And um, that was the first, you know, death that I experienced. And then after that, it was like everybody, like people kept dying the very year. Um, actually that was, I was three when he died because my grandfather, my paternal, my maternal grandfather, his father had actually died when I was two. The year was 1979. I was born in 77. My grandfather died in 79. And then my uncle Mickey died in 1980. So I was three. Um, and he died exactly, exactly one year to the day 
that my grandfather my grandfather had died in 1979. Um, and so like the story in my family is was that when my grandfather was on his deathbed, all of his children were there except for my uncle Mickey. And he kept calling for him because he wanted to have his son there. And my uncle didn't make it until, you know, he, he was too late. He didn't make it before my grandfather passed. And so when he was murdered on the, on the one year anniversary of my grandfather's death, um, you know, the, the story has been that it was my, my grandfather called him home with him because, you know, he, he wanted him to be there with him. Um, and then after that, I, I've been experiencing my, my, my father's mother passed away. So my maternal grandmother, one of my super close cousins who was like a brother to me was murdered when he was 15 years old. I had, um, another cousin who I was really close to, even though he was younger than me, uh, committed suicide. And then, um, his father, my uncle Renee ended up dying a few years ago from cardiac arrest. My uncle Israel passed, my abuelita, my aunt Lucy, who was my godmother and my father's sister, ended up dying from wounds that or injuries that she got in a car accident on driving back from New York to Florida, a car accident that both my parents were also in. It was probably one of the hardest, most difficult moments in my life. Um, because when you see your father, um, the way my father was, he had sustained injuries um, to his neck, to his spine, to his hands. He had to endure like months of physical therapy. He had to wear like this helmet kind of like brace on his head to stabilize his head and his spine um, so that he wouldn't become paralyzed. It was, it was really bad. But I say all that to say that I have endured, you know, so much just with death. Years later, when I got married, my husband um, had got diagnosed with cancer very early on in our marriage. I think we might have been married a year. We were still newlyweds. Um, he was 30 when he got diagnosed. I think I was 26. And so here I am, a young wife. Um, I still didn't really know who I was at that point. I didn't even know how to be a wife. I was still trying to figure what figure out what that meant. And I was helping my husband fight cancer, a life-threatening, you know, disease. And I'm, I thank God every single day that my husband has been cancer-free for over 20 years. And it's only through God's grace and mercy that he is well and he's alive and he's thriving. And we have been able to create a beautiful life and a beautiful home and a beautiful family. But it's because of all of these things that I've gone through in my life that I know God is real because there's no way that I could have survived some of the things that I've endured without God. And so when we find ourselves in situations where it seems like there's no way out, I want to remind you 
that God can turn around any situation, no matter how bleak it seems, no matter how impossible it seems, no matter what people are telling you about your situation. Nothing is impossible for God. And I know that many of us are in difficult seasons in our lives and whether that you know, has to do with a medical diagnosis or because, you know, in some type of relationship, or maybe it's not even anything that serious, right? But maybe you have poured your whole self into a dream, into a business, and it doesn't seem like it's taking off. Maybe you have invested all of your money in this one thing, and then there's no more money to invest, and it feels like your dream or your vision is never going to take off. Um, I want to encourage you to not give up. And I want to share a few examples, just modern day examples, as well as biblical examples of people who have endured um, hardships and challenges, and despite them, have been able to succeed and turn those challenging moments into tri- into triumphs and victories. Um you know, and one of the, I guess, people that I think of and it's some place that I think many of us have eaten at once, you know, or twice in our lives. And you know, I love my chicken. Um, but if we look at Colonel Sanders, right, um, the founder of Kentucky Fried Chicken. First of all, he founded Kentucky Fried Chicken, I think, when he was like old, older. It was not like a young, <laughs> he wasn't young or in his prime when he founded it. But he faced over a thousand rejections trying to sell his chicken recipe, right? And nobody wanted to buy it, but he believed in his product. He believed in himself. And instead of giving up, he persisted. And what happened? It eventually led to the creation of one of the most global, well-known fast food chains that we know like there's KFCs everywhere and this was all because he did not give up on himself and i think that so many of us give up at the first sign of a challenge the minute we hit a brick wall or we feel like um the enemy is trying to attack us and take us down instead of rising up and fighting back we succumb and we give up without even trying and when you do that you don't even give god a chance to intervene and to fight on your behalf like i don't know what it is that you're going through in this moment but you cannot give up on yourself you know, I'm a writer and I, I have many writer friends and it has been such a beautiful thing to witness people that I know, that I've shared space with, that I've hung out with, that I've blessed um, poetry stages with, to see them become traditionally published authors, to see them read on stages with some of you know, the writers and authors that I grew up reading and admire. You know, I think about my friend Elizabeth Velasquez, the author of When We Make It. Um, And this is a personal friend, you know, someone who I've known for years. She has um, participated in, you know, workshops that I I have led as a facilitator. I remember one time she facilitated um, 
this uh, self care self first workshop that I had for young girls. I have she has hired me to facilitate vision board workshops for her students when she was working at a school. So we have a really good relationship. And to see how her dream is manifesting in real time in spite of her past, in spite of the trauma that she's very open about because she discusses it, you know, in her writing, you know, on her social platforms, you know, in spite of all the things that we think have been designed to keep us down, she has taken all of those challenges and has used them as the stepping stones, as the very basis of the things that she writes about. And those stories have been the stories that she has been able to tell and that are now getting published and that are now getting her like this critical acclaim. And I just love that for her because she is a testament and she's proof of what God can do in our lives, regardless of where we come from, regardless of the things that we have gone through, regardless of the things that we have endured, you know? And so I want you to think about your own life, even with whatever it is that you're going through right now, even through the challenge that might seem that it, like it's impossible to get through, you might feel like you're in quicksand and you have no way to get out. But I want you to remember all of the things that God has already gotten you through because you've been through things before and you've survived them because you're here today. So whenever you start to doubt God's power and what he can do, I want you to remind yourself of the things that he has already done for you. When I think, I just finished reading the book of Genesis in my Bible study, and we were, you know, reading the story of Joseph. And if you're not familiar with Joseph's story, right, Joseph um, was one of 12 brothers, right? Because this is where the 12, the 12 tribes of, of Israel stem from Joseph's family. He was one of 12 brothers. He was Isaac's favorite son. And all of the brothers knew it. And in their jealousy and in their envy of their brother, they sold him into slavery. That one act completely changed the trajectory of Joseph's life. And he was enduring so much hardship and it just everything seemed like it was going against him. He was sold into slavery. He ended up getting thrown in prison because he was falsely accused of um, trying to sleep with his master's wife, which was all a lie. Um, you know, but through all of that, through his years of hardship and imprisonment, he never lost his faith. He never said, God, well, he might have said, God, why me? But he never lost his faith and he never lost hope that God was going to get him through. Because before that, God had made him a promise and God had promised him that his brothers would bow to him, that he was going to rule the land of Egypt, that he was going to be the second in command. And this, this, he was told this through a dream that he had shared with his brothers that contributed to their jealousy. But when God makes a promise to us and for us about our lives, God is going to make it come to pass. Now, what he doesn't promise is that there's not going to be any hardship along the way, but God is going to use all of those hard moments, all of those challenges to get us to where he ultimately wants us. So I guess what I want to share with you today are four ways that God uses our challenges and he turns them into triumphs. 
right? The first one is personal growth. Our setbacks can be opportunities for personal development, resilience, and the strengthening of our character because it is through those hard moments that we discover what we're truly made of. If everything is going good all the time and if everything is easy, then how would we ever know what we're capable of? It's when we're rock bottom. It's when we're on our knees that we have to start being creative. We have to think outside of the box and we have to figure out ways to pull ourselves up out of the darkness and into the light. So sometimes our setbacks are the very things that God is using to prepare us for greater responsibilities and greater opportunities. So wherever you find yourself now, whatever challenge you're in right now, Don't look at it as the thing that's going to keep you down. Instead, look at it as the thing that God is using to strengthen you, to develop you, and to get you to where you're ultimately going to be. The second tip I want to share is divine direction. Sometimes challenges redirect us towards our true purpose and calling. So when one door closes, even though that may seem like it's the end of the road for you, Really what it is, is God trying to redirect you back to the path that you're supposed to be on. Because us humans, right, in our ego-driven, self-centered, you know, lives where we think that we know it all, we want to always have things, you know, under control, um, we try to take things into our own hands. And sometimes that leads us down paths that we're not supposed to go in. And so when God closes a door, when God, you know, says this is not the way, he's going to put something in your path to keep you from going down the wrong path. So sometimes that blockage or that challenge that might appear to you as being something that's keeping you from your destiny is really God's way of redirecting you back to your destiny, back to the path that you're supposed to be on. Because sometimes... What happens is if we continue going down the wrong path, we're not going to discover the things and the blessings that God really has for us. The third tip I want to share with you is that sometimes the way God turns our challenges into triumphs is by support from other people, right? Because God places people in our lives that are going to get us closer to where he wants us. So they'll offer comfort and encouragement during difficult times. Maybe they will help you to look at things from a new perspective. Sometimes, you know, the people that God connects us with are the very people that he has in store to help us get to that next level of wherever we want to go. So start paying attention to the people that God places in your life. How are you cultivating those relationships? How are you sustaining them? How are you showing up? How are you allowing yourself to accept the help and the guidance that they're offering you? Because sometimes we can be our own worst enemy. God will place the people in our lives and one, we can, will fail to recognize them or two, we'll, we will reject everything that they're trying to offer us. So you have to start paying attention to the, God, to the people God is placing in your life and in the ways that he is using them to connect you to the blessings that he has for you.
And the last thing I want to share is that you have to have faith and hope. You have to. The minute you lose hope is the minute you lose everything. So holding on to faith and hope in God's plan is going to be the thing that sustains you through the hardships. And ultimately, if you're able you know, to stick it through, through the difficult moments, you will end up with unexpected blessings in the end. You know, so I'm going to just um, end this by saying that our setbacks strengthen our character and prepare us for our future purpose. Like King David, who spent years of his life running from his father-in-law, King Saul, who was trying to kill him. He spent so, even though he would become the second king, he spent years hiding and running from King Saul because King Saul wanted, you know, wanted him dead. And so although David's circumstances were painful, God was faithful and God can and will be faithful with your life. God can turn any situation around, whether it's a medical diagnosis, a toxic relationship, a financial situation, depression, anxiety, whatever it is that you are battling or that you are facing, God can turn it around. When you place your hope in Jesus, you never grieve in vain. You're never alone because the God who is now is also the God who will be forever. And he is constantly advocating and acting on your behalf. That's why no matter what you face, you can hold on to this hope. Jesus can turn your setbacks and sorrows into setups for your good and his glory. God can take your pain and turn it into power and use it for his purposes. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. He is your source of strength and refuge. And it's in your most challenging times that you have to turn to him because nothing is impossible for God. God sees every detail of what you are facing today. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. He knows you. He knows what you need. And he will not forsake you. Because I want you to hold on to this truth. And I want you to find hope in knowing that if he did it before, he can and he will do it again. So think about all God has already done for you, every prayer he's already answered, and be comforted by that. And even though it might feel like he isn't listening or answering you fast enough, trust your journey and the timing of your life. Because this waiting season may be what God is using to prepare you for the blessing that he has for you. Nothing that you go through is wasted. Nothing. That concludes this week's episode of the Woman of Faith podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being such a loyal listener. I'm thrilled to have you as part of this empowering journey. And until my next episode, 
May your faith fuel your passion and your courage open doors of limitless possibilities. Stay boldly faithful and remember that you were created for more. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Woman of Faith podcast. If this episode blessed you, consider supporting us by leaving us a rating, giving us a review, writing a comment, and sharing with your network. And if you feel really moved, you can consider making a financial donation to the link in our episode notes. Until next time, I pray that you are blessed that you step boldly into what God is calling you to do and that you never forget that you were created for more.